The Triathlon Show 347. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode I am flying solo. I generally really like doing interviews because then I get the personal benefit of chatting with uh, some really smart people that I would like to chat to anyway, even without the podcast. But uh, I know from service I've done in the past that these solo episodes are also appreciated, so hopefully you will enjoy this one. I'll talk about uh, some specific and actionable tip actionable tips for each of the three disciplines for swimming biking and running from a triathlon context so how can you improve your triathlon swim bike and run and i think that a lot of uh, listeners will benefit uh, from these tips to improve your performance but before we get into that big thanks to our sponsors roca roca produce exceptional quality triathlon wetsuits tri suits swim skins goggles performance sunglasses and prescription eyeglasses and sunglasses today i want to talk about roca's wetsuits and why they are so great First, they have a wide range of wetsuits from the entry-level Maverick that is still extremely high quality. And uh, I have tried the Maverick recently and and I was very pleased with how good it really was uh, for an entry-level wetsuit. And then, of course, they have uh, levels all the way up to the flagship model, which is the Maverick X2. All of Roka's wetsuits we come with the patented Arms Up technology, which maximizes shoulder mobility, which can otherwise be quite restricted and result in less efficient and slower swimming. And there are tons of fantastic features that you can read more about on roka.com. You can also get 20% off your Roka order by visiting roka.com forward slash TTS. And thank you to Zenate. The Zenate Indoor Swim Trainer is a swim training tool that you can use at home uh, that allows you to improve your technique, work on power and stamina, and save time and stay consistent. For a lot of age group triathletes, the swim is the discipline that is the most difficult to fit in, which we'll actually talk a little bit about uh, later in this episode. But that means that it's also the one that kind of falls away the most easily. And when that happens, if you have an option to at least do something to uh, work on your swimming at, at home, and that takes less time than going to the pool, getting changed, getting in the pool and so on, doing it all in reverse, then that's an incredibly valuable thing. And with the Zen 8 Indoor Swim Trainer, you will have just that. Because when you might run short of time, so you can't get to the pool, you can still do at least a 20 minute indoor workout at home. And uh, the Zen 8 Indoor Swim Trainer will really help you work on some specific skills that uh, you might not even be aware of that you're lacking like for example core activation which which it will really help you work on due to the built-in instability element of the swim bench you can get 20 percent uh, off from the zenate swim trainer by using the discount code that you can get on zenatewintrainer.com for slash tts and uh, it is a risk-free investment if you don't love it after two weeks of using it you can send it back and get a full refund All right, so let's get on to the main topic of today. I will give some specific tips for swimming, biking, and running uh, respectively, but all from a triathlon context, of course, and triathlon perspective. Uh, As you are probably aware, uh, this is a question that I like to ask my guests as well. I tend to phrase it as, can you give one to two tips for the swim and for the bike and for the run for listeners to improve their performance? And uh, I'll give it a go myself and uh, give two tips for each discipline. I'm not saying that these tips are necessarily based on the absolute number one ranked thing you should do within 
uh, within each discipline. I try to think about these tips as uh, things that are really important, really, really important, but maybe also to some extent are underappreciated or undervalued in the triathlon community at least from from where I see it and from my perspective. So just to give you a little bit of background information and context for how I uh, was thinking about what I was thinking about when I was uh, when, when I was thinking about these tips and planning the episode. So here we go. Let's start with the swim. And tip number one with the swim is to swim more. This is obviously very simple advice to give, and it can sound a bit like a cop-out from figuring out something more intricate, giving you a secret sauce or something. Uh, but uh, I will say that uh, I'm only giving this advice for the swim, not for the bike or for the run, uh, because I think the swim specifically is where a lot of age group triathletes just do not realize how little they actually swim. For example, it's not uncommon that we get coaching inquiries uh, to scientific triathlon from athletes with uh, ambitions to qualify for Ironman World Championships or the 703 World Championships. And uh, they are good athletes. They're training a lot. It varies, but let's pick a number. Let's say they're training 13 to 15 hours per week. But of those 13 to 15 hours, then less than two hours or two hours at most are spent swimming quite often. So, and this is... uh, specific example but i think that this is a pattern that i see in that athletes might have a decent understanding of what it takes to improve their bike and run in terms of the training volume they need to be training at based on their athletic history how many years they've been in the sport what it will take for them to improve because obviously the fitter you get the the more it will take to some extent but this understanding of what it takes uh, seems quite often to be lacking with swimming and uh, quite often people start thinking that they're not improving in swimming because there is some piece of specific technical ability that they're missing or a key in- ingredient in, in terms of technique or that they just don't have the talent quote-unquote to swim faster uh, and than, than they are but more often than not i think that uh, they just need to swim more obviously not mindlessly and not just swimming laps at the same speed up and down that's not what i'm saying it needs to be with focus and with quality and then fitness and technique will improve because swimming is a skill and it takes a lot of repetitions to make a skill really ingrained it's like learning an instrument in in many ways and when learning an instrument you would play every single day that any musicians out there would uh, obviously appreciate so swimming when we're trying to improve even with three or four times a week that's very minimal really in comparison considering how difficult it is skill-wise Uh, And another way to put things in perspective uh, is that most professional triathletes would be swimming somewhere between around 18 to 25 kilometers per week. There are exceptions, but I think that is the norm. And they might be biking 10 to 15 hours per week. Again, there are definitely exceptions to that, but I would say that that is the norm. And uh, with those numbers, uh, what that means if you put an age group a triathlete's numbers in perspective, a lot of very ambitious age groupers might do 70 or 80% of the bike volume that the pros do. But at the same time, they're only doing 25 to 35% of the swim volume. And I'm not saying that these percentages need to be equal, but I think that this discrepancy is too big and that's something that can be improved. So when I say swim more, how much more is more well that is impossible to say because it depends on where you are in your triathlon journey and how much your overall time budget is among other factors 
And and on that note, I 100% recognize that for some time-crunched athletes, you may just have to accept that you don't have enough time available to improve your swim without sacrificing too much from cycling and running. And in that case, it makes sense to just do an absolute minimal amount of swimming to just maintain your current level and focus on improving your bike and run. But if that is the case, then as an athlete you need to be realistic and honest with yourself and realize that you can't expect to improve your swim or as a coach uh, you need to make it clear to your athlete that that's what they can expect and explain the reasons for prioritizing the bike and run as long as it's an informed decision uh, that you agree upon so that the athlete doesn't get frustrated with the lack of swimming progress uh, when the reality is that there's no way that they could be making swim progress giving the limited amount that you're actually swimming then it's okay it, but it needs to be that informed decision and you need to have an awareness of reality and what is realistic to achieve with swim volume that you're doing now if you do have as a goal to swim better but you feel stagnant then i would say that for a lot of listeners not everybody but for a lot of them the solution is simply to swim more one more thing on this note, uh, frequency of swimming, in my opinion, trumps long workouts. And the slower the swimmer you are, the more this applies. So for, especially for more beginner or even intermediate swimmers, doing four 30-minute swims per week would definitely be better than doing two one-hour swims per week, even though the total volume would be the same. So keep that in mind as well, that the frequency is really important and, and a variable that you need to consider also separate from just the total volume. All right, so that was tip number one for swimming. And tip number two is to do a video analysis. And this is something I mentioned many times before, both in Q&A episodes, in TTS Thursday episodes, and in interviews that we've done and so on. But we can't perceive how we're actually swimming, what we look like in the water until we see ourselves on film. I filmed some really good swimmers and even they always find something that really surprises them about their form in the water and their technique. And so if you want to know what you're doing, then you have to see yourself on film. There's no getting around that. Even having somebody describe it to you, it just doesn't make have the same impact and give you the same clarity as actually seeing it yourself. So doing a video analysis, ideally with somebody who is very knowledgeable in triathlon swimming, will allow you to find the one to two most important things to work on for now. And that is important to not pick too many things, but to pick one or two things to focus on. And that will help you get so much more out of every workout you do because you should be continuously focusing on these one to two key aspects in all of your swims and then film again later to check how you're progressing and uh, whether uh, whether you should uh, choose some new things to focus on or whether you still need to keep working on the things that you're working on. There are some fantastic options for people uh, that provide swim video analysis as a service and uh, I'm happy to give referrals if you live in the UK or Finland or Australia. I have contacts that I trust in these countries for swim video analysis. Uh, so happy to hook you up if you email me. Another great option is to get together with a friend and buy a GoPro and a monopole and then you can film each other and you can do that repeatedly whenever you want. So that is a fantastic option uh, that I would highly recommend if uh, if you have that option when you're you're actually doing the filming if you do it yourself then you should always get three different angles you need the side view and for this i recommend getting both above and underneath the water and you need the frontal view from underneath the water and you need the bird's eye view so filming from directly above 
the swimmer or, or above yourself. Uh, so, so those are the three angles you want, and you can do even just 25 meters of each angle is enough. Um, 50 meters is great. So actually, as a filming session, once you know how to film, it just takes a few minutes to get all of those angles, and and that's enough to really make some some really clear conclusions normally in my opinion you should be warmed up having done a few hundred meters of easy swimming before you actually do the filming but other than that this can be done really really quickly a word of warning when it comes to doing the actual analysis it is becoming knowledgeable enough to to assess your technique yourself is difficult Uh, so if you don't have a good amount of experience uh, analyzing swim videos I do strongly recommend getting feedback on the video from an objective expert on the topic. Uh, Otherwise, there is a risk that you choose something to work on that is not actually a major limiter in your swimming and end up being a bit of a waste of time or at least not optimal use of time. So it's worth the investment to get professional feedback at least the first few times that uh, that you do this analysis. And then from there on, you will learn to recognize, okay, what are the main issues that go wrong? And you can use the previous feedback to see how I managed to improve those things and then move down the list, so to say, in the prioritization order. I did an episode back in TTS Thursday number 10 called How to Do Your Own Swim Video Analysis. Uh, so you can check that out if you want more information on, on the DIY swim video analysis. Uh, and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But that's it for tip number two for swimming to do a swim video analysis and not just do it once, but do it repeatedly. Now let's move on to the bike. And tip number one for improving your bike is to go easier on your easy days. Something I've noticed in particular with men for some strange reason is that it doesn't matter whether your threshold is 380 watts or 240 watts. Everybody wants to ride their quote-unquote easy rides at 200 watts, (laughs) which is a funny pattern actually uh, when you think about it. When your threshold is 380, then of course that's absolutely fine. But if it's 240 or 280, then uh, yeah, that's probably pushing too hard on your easy days. And I think the reason that this is a problem that is so common of pushing too hard on easy days and the reason that it's so common in cycling in particular, even compared to swimming and running, is there are several reasons. The first one is that with a a power meter, cycling is extremely quantifiable. So, for example, let's let's compare an easy ride with a power meter compared to going out and doing a, a long endurance run on trails. Everybody knows that pace doesn't matter when you're running on trails. So it's very easy and evident to not get sucked into caring about what your pace is when you you run on trails. For example, it might be a bit different if you're running on flat roads, but uh, even on hilly roads. but, But definitely it's not the same as with cycling where every single ride you have that power meter to show you how hard you're going right in front of your nose it's just so easily happened that you you want to push it a bit higher than it should be maybe because you're that's what your mates are doing they're riding at 200 watts and you want to do it yourself too even if they might be fitter than you are the second reason that we tend to push our power too hard on easy days is that when we're riding uh, in a group or even with just one friend uh, it's not so much that we want to show off although there is a bit of that as well but we just forget what the objective of the day is because it's fun to be out riding with uh, with your mates and you can get sucked into that comfortable but slightly too hard intensity because it's feeling so much easier than it does when you're out on your own even though physiologically you're still pushing a bit harder than you should be doing uh, simply even if it's just from the perspective of 
you won't be able to go quite as hard the next day when you might have a hard workout planned. And the third reason is that that cycling in particular suffers from this uh, issue of going too hard on easy days is that with hills, winds, and so on, uh, staying in control of power means we have to go a lot slower than feels natural when we when the road starts to tilt upwards or we turn into a headwind the tendency would be to push up in up that grade or push into that wind and when we're riding with friends or in a group then that is reinforced even further because they will do, do the exact same thing so I'm definitely not saying that you should ride indoors or only on flat roads outdoors or that you only need to ride on your own and that you need to be a slave to keeping your power number below a certain value and anytime you go above that you're kind of ruining your workout. That's definitely not the case and I'm also not saying that there is even such a magical number uh, below which it's rainbows and roses and above which you start to blow up your mitochondria or something like that what i'm saying is simply that on average many triathletes especially male triathletes could go easier on easy days and would benefit greatly from uh from doing it because they would get the same training effect from that day but would feel so be so much fresher especially in the long run for their harder days and be able to push one or two percent harder every time they have a hard day and adapt better to that recover quicker from those easy days and uh, be ready to perform when they really want to perform on on those harder days and it doesn't have to be i'm, I'm not saying that this is for your two or three minute lung busting intervals this is irrespective of whether your hard days are short and intense intervals or long extended tempo rides or tempo intervals or anything things like that but when when you have any kind of harder intensity or higher quality or specificity whatever you want to call it then that's when you really want to perform and those endurance rides should be the majority of your training but they should not detract from those harder days so that's the main takeaway from from this tip uh, you can definitely apply this tip in swimming and running as well uh, but i'm using it here as my main as my first bike tip because i think the problem is the biggest in cycling and uh, tip number two for cycling is to train specifically for your goal race course. This is actually something I think often gets overlooked uh, because, uh, yeah, I think that uh, to prepare for your bike performance in, let's say, Ironman Cozumel, that would look quite different than preparing for your bike performance in Ironman Lanzarote. And of course, there are different examples that you could use than just those two races, but they came to mind. For Cozumel, which is a very flat course, you need to practice staying in the time trial position with absolutely no let up in position and no let up in pedaling for hours on end, for 180 kilometers to be exact, because it's such a flat course where that's exactly what you will be doing on race day. Of course, ideally, you would have a pretty flat road outdoors where you can simulate that kind of training. But if that's not the case, if all the terrain you have around you is hilly, so you'll have constant breaks from pedaling when going downhill, or you will have constant breaks from the TT position when going up some steep short uphills or long uphills, then you might have to suck it up and do some long rides indoors on the trainer if training for Cozumel to get that specific training. For Lanzarote, on the other hand, to use that example, uh, you will have long steady climbs and long non-technical descents. 
your power during the race will not be constant, uh, but you will have a fair bit higher power than your average power when going uphill. And then on the descents, uh, it will depend on the grade and the speed, whether you're still pushing a bit of power or if you just recover. Uh, a cadence will also likely be variable, especially on courses where the grade of the climbs uh, varies a fair bit. Uh, depending on the grade of the climb and how strong you are you might or might not be climbing in the tt position so this is something you should research weeks or even months in advance of your race so that you can train accordingly if the climbs are gentle and you're going at a speed of around as a rule of thumb let's say 25 kilometers an hour then you will definitely be in your tt bars or you should definitely be in your tt bars uh, around that speed and higher but if the speed is a fair bit lower then it might be a wash uh, or close to a wash and the aero gains that you might have could be outweighed by higher and easier power production when sitting up so so knowing the speed that you will be going up to climbs is also important for knowing how to train will should you actually be doing some climbing climbing training sitting up or should you be doing it in the tt position also if your goal race has a lot of descending then practicing descending skills should of course be part of your training and will be important for your race performance if you're doing a race that is likely to have strong winds, then it's also worth it to try to get out on the bike on days when there are strong winds where you live to get more used to that. So in summary, uh, I guess I just want to emphasize that a lot of times a disappointing bike performance in a race might not be because you didn't have the fitness or the power, but because you were not adequately prepared to apply that fitness and that power to the specifics of the course. Maybe you were not used to the variation in power on a very stochastic course with a lot of short, steep climbs, or maybe you couldn't stay aero for the duration of a completely flat course with no let-up, or maybe you pushed really well up all the climbs and gained lots of time, but then your descending skills let you down and so you lose time going downhill so prepare for the specifics of your goal race course to get the most out of yourself when it matters on race day on the bike and now moving on to the bike tip number one is to stay injury free to be able to be consistent uh, the large majority of triathlon injuries are running injuries and that is the main reason why athletes at a certain point stop progressing on the run uh, because they just can't stay injury free and keep up that consistency. It's very easy to say stay injury free, but it's harder to do in practice because it's psychologically, I think most of us think that we're doing a good job of staying injury free every time that we're not injured. And we keep thinking that right until the moment that we get injured. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's a bit of a funny uh, paradox almost. Uh, but the reality is that almost all running injuries are developed over some time not in one moment they are overuse injuries so there are a few key things to do when it comes to staying injury free and that is these are the process goals that you should have to be able to run consistently and have no injuries the number one thing is to avoid big ups and downs in your running load uh, on the bike and the swim you can get away with some bigger variations but on the run it's quite risky so you want to try to do a similar amount of volume each week or when you're progressing progressing very slowly we'll get to that you want to have a similar frequency of running each week and a similar frequency and amount of fast running so 
avoid any sudden changes in those variables, progress things really slowly, especially the overall volume and the volume of fast running. Uh, I think especially the overall running volume is a variable that the 10% rule, I think, is just garbage. It leads to a lot of injuries uh, because it's actually, first of all, 10% of an increase is very different if you're running starting out just just starting out you're running 10 kilometers a week versus if you're running 100 kilometers a week so it shouldn't be about about a percentage i think it maybe should be about a a number of minutes let's say you're running three times a week maybe every three weeks you can increase by five minutes per run that you're doing or every two weeks by five minutes per run so you if you're a beginner starting out you're doing three runs of 20 minutes each per week then after two weeks you can go to three runs of 25 minutes and then another two weeks go to 30 minutes but then take a down week as well at some point where you go back to three times 20 minutes so so that's that's the rule that i would follow rather than the the 10 rule because that can get you into trouble especially when you do it week upon week if you're already running 50 kilometers and you go to 55 and then you go to 61 and then you go to 67 that's that's a progression that you don't want to do uh when yeah they, it, that's just very risky now the second thing uh in terms of avoiding big ups and downs is uh to nip things in the bud and uh, with running in particular it's always better to be safe than sorry if you start to feel a little bit of a niggle then take a few days off running maybe do some extra cycling instead or i would actually definitely recommend doing that replace the lost running volume by cycling uh, but this then that way you won't have any negative impacts in terms of your fitness or your performance readiness but it could potentially save you from an injury a bit further down the line and that would have a massive massive beneficial impact uh, on yeah how how you will perform in races now and later because you managed to stay consistent take two or three days off rather than take two or three months off later later down the road so yeah stay injury free uh, avoid big ups and downs in the run training load progress things really slowly and nip things in the bud when you feel a niggle coming on those would be the main things there to summarize this point and tip number two for running is uh, to do extensive rather than intensive training or to i should say to extend rather than intensify when you're progressing your key workouts running in triathlon is quite different from running fresh as anybody who has done a triathlon is well aware uh, just as a thought experiment uh, think about what how do you think Eliud Kipchoge would run what would he look like and what would he do in terms of a time for a marathon after swimming 3800 meters and cycling 180 kilometers uh, I think we can say for sure that it would be a very different look and time from his typical marathon performances and as three athletes, this is the reality that we need to prepare for. That goes for all distances from sprint distance to Ironman. Because if you're going for shorter, if you're doing a sprint distance, you're also going at a much higher intensity. So you'll still be very tired, even if you did the swim of a sprint distance in 10 minutes and the bike in 30 minutes. So you have only 30 minutes of, sorry, 40 minutes of work in you. That's 40 very intense minutes. And that will make a huge difference on your running. So what we need to be in triathlon is we need to be very resistant to fatigue. It's not as much about our maximum capacities as it is about losing a relatively small percentage of our maximum capacity compared to the competition when we run tired off the bike and after also having done the swim. I do think that the longer the race, the greater the effect. So you will see a greater discrepancy between 
athletes where or the greater impact of good fatigue resistance versus bad fatigue resistance in an Ironman compared to a sprint triathlon in a sprint triathlon maximum capacity would be relatively speaking more important than in an Ironman uh, but it is still important in in all of the distances anyway with this in mind i think one of the key things to think about in your run training and progression of your key run sessions is that it's more beneficial to extend rather than to intensify and this is again a point that i think to to some extent is true in swim and bike training but i think it is relatively speaking the most important when it comes to run training because the run is the last of the disciplines we do in the race so we do it with the most fatigue and it requires the strongest fatigue resistance so by extending rather than intensifying what i mean is that it's more important for you to try to increase the total amount of running you do at a certain intensity within a given workout or even within a given interval compared to increasing the intensity itself so to give an example i'll actually refer back to just a couple of episodes ago the interview that i did with uh, glenn polonis in episode 335 we talked about the training martin van real did leading into his ironman 7.3 world record in dubai and glenn said that martin did a good amount of threshold work and extended tempo slash race pace work and for the threshold work uh, glenn specifically said that they didn't try to push the pace of the threshold but rather they tried to increase the amount of work done and uh, the duration of the intervals and one of the key sessions they did and as far as i understood it a culmination almost of, the, of that progressive extension of work at threshold was a workout with three times two miles plus five times one mile at threshold so that's 11 miles total or 17 17.6 kilometers total work at threshold in one workout and i just think that that's really good and smart training that's obviously a very big workout and a, and a hard workout even when you're controlling the threshold pace uh, but but i think it it goes to show it, it shows the example very well and and i think the uh, the contrary to that the tendency for a lot of athletes would be to rather than to extend the workout gradually and extend the amount of threshold work it would be to have a fixed workout let's say five times one mile at threshold would be quite a common workout to do and then to try to push that threshold pace pace week by week and actually after a few weeks it's probably no longer your threshold pace but it's still a pace that you can do and you feel good because you can progress your performance in the workout but it's not ideal for developing the running the type of running strength and around the type of running durability that you need to perform well in a triathlon so yeah the example of doing five times one miles and trying to go a little faster each week is to intensify but what i think you should do is to do what martin van real did and extend over time instead so another aspect of this rather than just thinking about it in terms of workout progression is our preference of workouts so we often uh, like to do traditional runners workouts like 400s on the track lung busting 400s or 800s where we're really on the limit most of us are less likely to do a 40 minute tempo run because when runners do tempo runs they're often 20 minute close to all out runs so which is not really a tempo run so 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 that's something that is much less common to see i do think that a lot of the best athletes are doing those types of workouts or long intervals like 10 minute intervals and doing six times 10 minutes with short rests 
I would argue that we often devalue these types of longer, slightly sub-maximal, but very solid workouts in favor of those really hard and fast workouts. And those workouts are great for building your maximum running capacity, which of course also plays into your running performance on race day. But they are not as good for our ability to actually hold a reasonable pace when fatigued. So so I think that uh, those types of workouts, the longer tempo runs, threshold workouts where you extend rather than intensify, those are the types of workouts that should be more of the staple of your training program. And there, there is a time and place to do the faster work for sure but it's not the staple of of a training program for a triathlete in my opinion and this is even more true the longer the distance that you're training for all right so those were all of the tips that i had for you today i hope that you enjoyed that uh, as always you can find the show notes on scientific triathlon.com uh, where i'll have links to the tts first day episode about swim video analysis and also to episode 335 the interview with glenn polonis which i talked about here in the last tip uh, related to running uh, next monday we will have another episode and actually i've honestly fallen behind a bit on researching potential guests so so i don't have anybody lined up i have a few interviews lined up for uh, a couple of weeks from now but it won't be one of those interviews that i already have scheduled that will be out next monday so we'll see if i have an interview or whether i'll do another solo episode of course if you have suggestions for guests keep in mind that uh, i prefer to interview coaches practitioners like physiotherapists or bike fitters or uh, people of that nature or researchers uh, not so much athletes or yeah uh, so coaches practitioners or researchers would be the main target audience for interviewees if you do send me suggestions but i'm happy to receive suggestions please uh, do email me and i'll consider them all uh, now, if you want to improve your triathlon performance with some expert help, then consider working with a scientific triathlon coach or a training plan if you're not ready to move into coaching. Uh, whether you're just getting into triathlon or you're trying to qualify for a world championship event or even want to race professionally, we do have experience in all of those scenarios and we'd love to discuss with you and see if we can help you on your triathlon journey. Find out more and contact us on scientifictriathlon.com and uh, would love to have a chat. Finally, big thanks to our sponsors, Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, and exceptional sunglasses and prescription glasses for everything from day-to-day wear to extreme action sports. Use the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS to get 20% off your entire Roka order. And thank you to Senate. Use the Senate Swim Trainer to improve your technique, power, stamina, and your swim training consistency. And get 20% off your order of the trainer with the promo code that you can get on senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. And don't forget that it's a risk-free investment. If you don't love it after two weeks, send it back and you'll get a full refund. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.